Welcome back to season three of my podcast. I am Amanda Blackwood, the survivor. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. For those of you who didn't know, now you do. Keeping in line with that, this entire season is going to be focused on interviewing other trauma survivors who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. Get ready to hear from some truly incredible people. Please hang on for a moment through this brief advertisement. This is what currently pays for the show. Of course, I will also take donations through PayPal to keep the show running, or you can show support by a simple book purchase. I have quite a few out there. Just look for books by Amanda Blackwood on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Your purchase does go to helping to support local organizations that help fight human trafficking also. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Maureen? I'm good. Hello. I'm so sorry. We've had some technical issues this morning, but I'm glad I've got you with me now. (laughs) Yep, I agree. All right. So, um, Maureen, you are a psychologist. You transformed your own birth trauma experiences into, you said, 15 years of workshops supporting others (laughs) in their healing journeys. This is amazing. And then after all of that, you wrote a book talking about your personal and professional experiences. Is this correct? This is amazing. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. Yeah. I mean, now when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, all you... your healing journey, don't we? I mean, that's how that, that sounds like this is certainly what your life has been about, too, is that it, part of healing does seem to, it certainly helps, I think, to share our healing journeys with other people. I agree. I agree. And there's been so many people that have come forward and talked about their own trauma experiences, not even um, relating to my own story, but relating to trauma in general. I think people are looking for that outlet. And it's just amazing when they have that moment of realization that they're not alone. It's really cool. Yes. Yeah. So Maureen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What was your family like life like when you were a kid growing up? Um, I grew. I still live in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, Minneapolis area. Um, grew up as the oldest of five kids. A pretty, um, pretty easy childhood, except my parents struggled with mental health issues. Um, and as the oldest of five kids, I certainly was parentified. You know, had my own too much, too much adulting too early. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So when you talked about some of the trauma, we talked a little bit in email previously. You talked a little bit about the trauma that you've gone through with your birth trauma experience. Uh, What are you willing to share with us about the kind of trauma that you have overcome and how it's impacted your life? Yeah, I was, um, I got, my parents were going through a very ugly divorce um, when I was 20 years old. And as I like to say, guess what happens if you throw up your birth control pills every morning? Um, oh. I had an ulcer and I was going. Oh, I think I lost you. Maureen, are you still there? I can hear you. Oh, there you are. Now I can hear you. That was very strange. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, um, I ended up pregnant at 20 years old during my family's very ugly divorce process and had a baby. 
um, decided to continue the pregnancy and be a single parent and thought I was really ready for um, birth. Um, had been around, my mom had birthed very naturally all of us kids and I understood it and I was very well prepared. And then I just had a birth that just kind of blew up. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, I was two, almost, almost a month late, I think, if we're really, if we're really honest about it. So I was over three weeks late. Um, again, back in those days, so my son was born in 1984. He's currently 37 years old. So this was quite a while ago. Um, and the world of birth was, you know, it was a bit different. Um, but I ended up with an emergency cesarean under general anesthesia after two days of being in labor. Um, and, and honestly, when I really at this oh. Did I lose you again? I think I lost you again. That's so weird. I wonder what okay. is going on. <laughs> I don't know. We heard you all the way up until uh, you had an emergency section after two days of labor, which sounds brutal. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out what is going on with my my microphone, really, so that we don't do that again, because it seems to be dropping out. Um, so, yeah, so I had um, so what I think when I drilled down to what part of it was really the traumatic part is that literally as they were putting the gas mask on my face, they were calling Children's Hospital saying there's something wrong with the baby. Hurry up, call, you know, emergency in here. Oh. And then I dropped out. Then I don't, you know, and the way that anesthesia works is you often have some amnesia. And also you have, in some ways, your body does remember, like, things happen that I don't necessarily have access to the memory. So right. I was, I woke up what felt like a year later, I'm sure it wasn't a year later, um, I, I woke up and they said, here's your, I remember saying, um, they said, it's a boy, because back then we didn't know the sex usually. They said, it's a boy. And I said, no, it's not. And went back to sleep because I had no idea. I was so disconnected from my birth. Um, and so um, they, lots of things had happened while I was under, like this baby had, was fine. You know, quite honestly, it was a very, very healthy, huge baby that, um, should have just come a little earlier, but I didn't, never had a story about his birth. I never quite understood what had happened, um, and I really just buried my head in the sand. I never went back to the doctor. I didn't take him to the doctor for a very long time, and now I, I know this stuff as, like, grown-up me is looking back on very young me going, what was going on? But that's now what I understand about the trauma response, right, is that I just went into survival mode. And nobody right. ever spoke to me about that must have been really scary what happened. Um, I just, I had never, ever considered that I would have a cesarean. I didn't know anything about surgery. Um, I didn't know that it would make breastfeeding much harder, that connecting to my baby might be harder, that I was at higher risk for postpartum depression. I didn't know any of that. I just started back to school. I was in college. I went back to school. I started raising my baby and lots of things just didn't get dealt with. Um, and I honestly think I would have lived my whole life with that kind of like I locked it in the closet and pretended it never happened, except that it's 16 years later, um, I decided to try to get pregnant. Um, and I realized I actually had a friend who was a doula um, and she said, 
I remember the day she said, have you done any work on your birth trauma? Now, I was at that point a psychologist. I was just a kid when Nate was born. But by this point, you know, almost two decades later, I'm a grown up. I'm a psychologist. And I had never heard the word birth trauma. That was not something that was in existence earlier. It was very new understanding of trauma. And as soon as she said it, it's like it rolled around in my brain and I started to sob. This is a very good sign that you have birth trauma. Is if just the just the words make you cry? Um, I think that's probably telling. And so I said no. And at that point, um, so that child is now 20 years old. And back then, there was like two articles written that we could find about birth trauma. And so I read them. And my doula and I talked a lot about my birth. And we did some research. And we talked to my provider. And we determined we would try very hard to do uh, a vaginal birth after cesarean um, and do our birth by birth wow. differently. Um, and so we worked very hard. I had, um, I have three living children and um, their births were all very different. And my second and third were a big part of my healing journey that I was working through. And then somehow after that, after kind of doing my own work, I started walking around going, somebody should write a book. Somebody should do something. Somebody should do <laughs> this birth trauma stuff is important. I think somebody should lead a workshop. It would be really great if somebody, oh, I think I have to do it. Um, it was You're like, somebody. Every, every, every childbirth educator, every midwife, anybody I would talk to, I would say, somebody should really do this. And they'd all look at me like, Yeah. And so it was really like a huge blind spot that I was like, oh, I think this is my calling. I think this is what I should be doing. And I was terrified. Um, I really, I, got, I had a friend who had, had also had some birth trauma who was a therapist. And so we decided we would do it together because I was really afraid if you started letting women talk about their trauma that they would all like, I don't know, like go running mad through the universe. And if we tapped into all of that energy, something horrible would happen. And instead... It has been the most amazing journey to have. So I've over the last 15 years have probably had a thousand women share their birth stories with me and I've sobbed with all of them. And I have sat with women as they've talked through many, many different layers and I continue to heal my own, my own story um, through my work. And yeah, it has been an amazing healing journey um, that I kind of never signed on for. So sometimes when I introduce my grown child, I'm like, this is my birth trauma. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Nate. Welcome to the world. He's like, God, mom, why are you still hanging out of that? And I'm like, it served me well. You have, I learned an awful lot from that child. Not just his birth, <laughs> but all of it. So as we do from our children. <laughs> well, you said he was huge. How big was he when he was born? Uh, 10 pounds, 10 ounces. Oh, my gosh. The, oh, the, the funny thing is, is that 18 years later, I give birth to his brother, um, who has a different father and a whole different story. And it was exactly the same birth, except no trauma. He was 10 pounds, nine ounces, two weeks late. My kids look like somebody left them in the nursery and forgot to come back for them. They are, they just, they look like six month old children. And they're like, those are my babies. So that in order to get by, when I finally did get my, my, that my second child was also cesarean. Um, and so then when we were doing the third birth, my midwife said, you can't let them cook so long. They just get too big. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess, I suppose. And so then we did a lot of work with my third to try to naturally induce him. And so he came at 30, 
eight weeks, which is almost four weeks different than his brothers. And he was a tiny premature nine pounds, eight ounces. Oh my um, gosh. And he ate birth vaginally. So we figured out like, I'm not doing that again, but man, I grow big babies. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Mine was nine pounds, six ounces. And I thought the world was ending. <laughs> yeah. That's a big kid. <laughs> my gosh. I can't even imagine. Oh, so in your recovery, I know you did, you probably had to do like hundreds of hours of research to be able to put all of this stuff together, to be able to write the book that didn't exist. Uh, what, what do you think helped you the most to get through that? Because that alone has to be traumatizing, going through and researching all of this stuff and equating it to what I, it is you went through. I think that the reality was the scariest part was the first time I sat in a room with, I think we might've had eight or 10 women in a room together. And I just, I, the nice thing is, is that as a psychologist, I had learned a lot about trauma. Mostly I suppose I understood rape, um, you know, and domestic abuse and things like that. And so there wasn't a lot about, I mean, I think we've learned that like trauma is in the eye of the beholder is a lovely, a lovely saying that what one person experiences as trauma isn't necessarily what, you know, what everyone feels is trauma, like you get to decide what's traumatic. And so I really was very, I think I went in very curious, like, I didn't, I didn't ask them, I, I invited women to come and share their stories. And they got to come in and they got to tell me what they found traumatic. So they taught me like they didn't, yeah. I didn't, I just helped space. I just gave people a place where it was safe to there were it was all we were all survivors. There, I never allowed anyone, I didn't let other therapists in or people that were just interested. Like, you had to have your own birth experience to, to come into this, you know, this clubhouse where we would just, and, and I think what we learned is that how much we judge ourselves, but we didn't judge each other. And so when you sit in a room with other people and you can't judge them, you're like, oh my God, you did whatever you needed to do and you handled that beautifully. And I don't think I, and then you're like, oh, why am I so damn hard on myself? <laughs> <laughs> when I can have so much compassion for anyone else. And so that's, I think, how the healing happened was just like you started realizing that compassion, self-compassion is so powerful. If you just understand that in the middle of horrible life situations, we all just do what we have to do. Like we just get through it. Right. Um, and that's, and, and, and usually trauma occurs on top of trauma. Like whatever is going on, you've had prior really shitty things in your life. And so sometimes it's, you know, it's tracking back to feeling abused as a child or a, a, an abusive relationship or, you know, other, other horrible things that you've gone through. Medical procedures oftentimes can trigger, you know, like you've already had enough bad things happen when you were strapped to a table for something as a child, maybe, and then have birth trauma, you know, re-trigger you. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that the research was less, I mean, there's, there's a lot of research. I think we're learning more and more. Certainly I've been a therapist for almost 30 years now. And I think we are certainly seeing three things through a trauma lens now that is very different than we did even five or 10 years ago. Um, but I think it's really powerful to just understand that human beings have always suffered traumas and have always found a way to heal. And often it's through story and through community and through forgiveness and through processing. Um, and so I think it was more just tapping into the energy of a bunch of other survivors that got me where I needed to be. 
Wow. That's pretty powerful. And I found the same thing with my own story. So my listeners yeah. already know, you know, my survival was a, a, a human trafficking survivor. I have a community of people out here. We get together and we talk and we don't even necessarily talk about our traumas, but just sitting in the room with somebody that, you right. know, has experienced something similar to your own story. Um, it, it's such a powerful feeling that, you know, you're not being judged by that person. This person gets you. This person yep. understands why you have a slightly uh, warped and twisted sense of humor when it comes to certain subjects, you know, Absolutely. They, <laughs> they just get it. <laughs> so in your journey, who seems to have been the biggest inspiration to you? It, it has it has been mostly being inspired by my clients as much as anything. I always um, I always learned so much from in some ways it was hard to kind of even hold on to my own story because I had oh my goodness, we are just having all sorts of trouble today. <laughs> but we got you back. That is no, no. I can live with it as long as I got you back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> oh. What were we even talking about? Oh, your your clients, how they inspired you. Yeah, the, the healing the healing journey and just feeling like it's mostly from other people. I don't. I mean, I've certainly done a lot of research and make sure. I always want to make sure that I am. Um, you know, I, I understand that I am. You know, I'm I'm touching people's psyche. I need to make. I take it very. I take that very personally and very. I have a lot of responsibility for not never making it worse for anybody more than anything. You know, I just you know, and I think that you know things like trigger warnings and making sure that you understand that sometimes PTSD is a very complicated, dangerous, uh, psychic issue to deal with for people. And so I think some of it is, you know, certainly making sure that I um, have the resources to support people in very complex situations. And, and, I, and I do take that seriously, but I also feel like most of it has been learning from learning in the trenches with people that are doing their own healing work has been, has been most inspiring. Wow. That is amazing. You are just a remarkable person. How I have to ask, how long did you go to school to become uh, this amazing person that's helping all these awesome people? Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I have I have a I have a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. So that was two. I have a four year degree and then a two year degree. Wow, that's a that's long a, time. <laughs> that was a very long time ago. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, not long time ago. It's just a long time to. That's <laughs> a lot of school. It is. Yeah. It is. You know. It hard it is hard to you know I think that I think that sometimes that's why I think things like support groups um and peer-to-peer -peer healing is really important because yeah. I don't think we need necessarily to I mean we need some people certainly need a professional for some of the, the work that they're doing and some people just need you know more support more community right absolutely so how do you like to celebrate your little wins in life when you do something or you overcome something or you've helped somebody to accomplish something that they didn't think that they could? How do you celebrate? Ooh, how do I celebrate? Um, I am a be outside, be in nature, be with my family. I am, I am, I am a woman of simple pleasures, I would say. Oh. I just I like love to surround myself with people I love. I love that. So what is the name of your book? The book is Heal Your Birth Story. Okay. Uh, and where can people find this? You can certainly go to Amazon. 
Um, it is on Kindle and in paperback. Um, and it is available in all of the booksellers. And you can, you know, I've heard your podcast do that. I've said the same thing. Go to the library and tell them you want my book. Um, that's <laughs> always a great idea. Um, I believe firmly in that. And, you know, we want to make it as available as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and would you, do you happen to have a passage that you would like to read to the listeners uh, so they can get a, a kind of a taste of what it is that your book is about? Oh, yeah, I can do that. That would be great. I will actually just, I have it in my hands. Um, I'm just going to start from the beginning because um, the journey of resolving your birth story. This part, this book is part of my personal healing birth story. I wrote this book for the women who courageously, generously, passionately shared their unspeakable stories with me. I wrote this book for the women holding unspeakable stories yet to be told. As women and as mothers, we have a complicated relationship with birth. Creating life with one's own body is transformational. Cells, then blob, then something fish-like, then the baby that looks like a chicken. The chicken grows hair and fingernails, and you get that it is part of you and not part of you. But the baby can only grow inside of you of one person, the person who someday must birth this new life. There is the ever-present thought that this foreign creature that you have allowed to inhabit your body for nine months must come out. There is no denying it. The baby has to come out. Before names and onesies, there will be birth. Women prepare for birth. Some spend hours on the internet. Some take classes and monitor their diet and do yoga and meditate. Some place themselves in the hands of experts and look for others to decide. Some deny and ignore and bury their head in the sand, but they too are preparing. We want our births to be safe. We want our babies to be healthy. We want our experience to be uncomplicated and predictable. We really don't expect it to be painless, but we want to be brave and dignified as we face the pain. For most women, if we could, we would have it be beautiful, soft and serene and peaceful and loving and magical. That's beautiful. That's awesome. I know somebody that's going through some pretty uh, tough pregnancy stuff right now. I may have to grab a copy of your book for her. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it, I really, I, you know, I, I think I, I, I love the feedback I get. The nice thing is, is it is very much written for the, the person who is birthing. It also has, it has, it's a lot about journaling and, and using storytelling to get to some of the, all the kind of dig down into stuff. It also has little pieces for partners or family members because nobody has really written a book for them. I think that yeah. uh, dads have a really high rate of birth trauma and nobody is talking about that. Um, yes. And of course, they don't usually like to read books about this shit anyway, but, um, <laughs> but at least sometimes, but at least there's pieces that you can share with them. Um, and so it's just, it, it, and then it also ends with a bunch of other people. It has all three of my birth stories and it has a bunch of other people who shared their stories so that, um, it's not just my voice. Very cool. You did mention in some of our early communications that you are releasing a second edition of your book and you're adding a piece about birth during the pandemic. Yeah, I collected I have, a few more stories and I've talked to a bunch of women. There was a lot of, I mean, we all went through, we all went through, a, it was a universal trauma event. Like the whole world yeah. got turned upside down and things that we didn't know what to expect and it was scary. All of the things that create trauma happened to us when we went into lockdown. And some people were nine months pregnant and some people were six months pregnant and some people were six weeks pregnant and how that affected them when people were saying things like they were going to separate babies from mothers, that 
partners weren't going to be allowed in, that we were going to, that lots of people didn't get to have their parents involved because we were afraid of killing grandma. And there were so many things that were happening so quickly that it just, and then just the isolation of new moms who are already often very, very isolated were increasingly isolated. Um, and so yeah. I just feel like um, there's a very special, uh, a special round of trauma in there that I wanted to address. So yeah, I should be updating the book this summer at some point soon. I'm really close to just doing an updated version that will um, add those stories um, and speak to speak to traumatic birth inside of the pandemic. That's cool. A very dear friend of mine actually had her baby during the pandemic, and I know that was pretty traumatic for her. Uh, she's also yeah. a survivor of trafficking. So doing this without her husband by her side and without her Absolutely. mother being allowed to be there, it was, yeah, yeah. that was, it was tough. It yep. was really tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that people that have a history of trauma and I address that quite a bit in the book is that if you, if, if birth, even birth under the most easy circumstances is very hard for trauma survivors because you're mm-hmm. powerless and you're scared and you have to put your hands on them and people are putting their hands in parts of your bodies and they're yeah. naked, like, birth is creepy and weird in a lot of ways. And if you add a prior trauma history, it can be really scary and it's very intense. No matter how, what your birth is, it's always an intense, intense experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm in my forties now. I'm done with that. And I'm looking forward to having grandbabies someday uh, because that (laughs) whole thing is a whole ball of nope for me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And one last question. I, I love to ask this of people. Uh, just to get your perspective on who you are as a person. What's the one thing that you love, at least one thing, that you love about yourself that is not based on any kind of physical appearance? Oh, I love fiercely. I, when people become come into my lives, I'll keep them forever. I love people. <laughs> it is my best awesome. attribute, no question asked. Oh, I love that about you, Maureen. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> gets me in trouble sometimes but you know what I'd rather be in trouble for loving people than hating them yeah absolutely I hear that too I'm kind of the same way I I will defend somebody with my last breath until they do me wrong (laughs) well Maureen it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast I'm so happy you were able to come and and join me today it was a wonderful opportunity I'm honored that you wanted to come and be on my podcast with me. You're just amazing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And if you need anything, if you have any questions, um, or if you, hey, want to come back and be a guest again sometime, let me know. Thank you. I'll be here. Okay. Great. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. -bye. (laughs) Have a great day. Thanks. You too.